Visible is a wireless carrier that is not invisible. It is pretty clear from the name, actually, radio waves are invisible. And I can say this with authority as a licensed amateur radio operator. That being said, Visible won't be giving you the power to see light outside the visible spectrum. It's actually way better because having that ability would make getting around very difficult and distracting. What you do get with Visible is unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. You get one line of wireless, just $25 a month, which is great in these times of economic uncertainty. That is one line for $25, taxes and fees included. So whatever you're doing at this moment, please stop. Switch immediately. Now, monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Wir gerne sehen in was ist los. It's dein Freundo, Seth. I'm learning German. Yeah, in case you didn't know what that was. That is me trying to impress you with the little German that I know. Right now, I am actually learning German. I took it in high school. I goofed off the entire time. I did some other language learning apps. They taught me things like where the taxi stand is and how to find a bus, um, but not a lot of conversational uh German. Thankfully, that's what Babbel is all about. Babbel teaches you language conversationally, which let's face it, that is what you want to know anyway. I don't know. When I was in school, you learned like how to count. You learned like the colors. You learned the shapes. Those are all important things, but they don't help you when you're in uh, like Cologne, Germany with Ein Nierenstein, which by the way is German for kidney stone, uh, an experience I can unfortunately speak personally to. But I've been using Babbel to learn to speak German again, uh, better than I have before. I actually really like it because it is conversational. It's a little bit more relaxed. One of the things that it does that I really like is it'll sometimes show you what the literal English translation is. And I don't know why, but I find that very helpful in sort of understanding the structure, the grammar of a language and sort of putting myself into that mind space. Since I'm only in Germany for Gamescom, which is like a week, week and a half, I'm not immersed in the German language. I'm not immersed in German culture. So what I do is the second best thing. I'm taking Babbel. Hopefully this year when I go to Germany, I'll be able to impress all the Germans with how much German I know from learning through Babbel. The app has pronunciation recognition, so you'll be able to learn how to speak better with your accent, how to actually properly pronounce the words. That way you won't get made fun of by a, a group of older German men because you said Apfelstrudel and not Apfelstrudel. Um, no, it's really cool. Uh, I'm going to say right now there is a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now you can get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners because you guys are the best ones, by the way, at babbel.com slash realm. Get 60% off at babbel.com slash realm. That is spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash realm. Rules and restrictions may apply. Listen. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of NVC. This is episode 534, I think. I'm sitting in for Casey, who's out on leave, and uh, I brought with me some uh, really awesome guests. You know, first of all, we've got Alana Pierce. Hi, what's up? Welcome, Alana. Uh, XIGN, now out there doing something mysterious. We mm -hmm. might hear more on that in the future. We've got the great Seth Macy. <laughs> 
I, you, you flatter me. Thank you. <laughs> From our studio in Maine. And then, of course, uh, Zach. <laughs> wow. No fanfare Welcome at back. all. Just like, yeah. Okay. It's nice to <laughs> well, see everybody. Alana, it's been a long time since I've seen you. It's great to have you back on the show. Been ages. I don't even know when the last time I was on this show was. Probably like honestly. 2018, I would assume. Hang on Jeez. one second. I got to shut my door. That seems about right. Okay. Let's all and watch this, and this is how I get door. treated. He just goes and shuts his door. <laughs> all right. Well, we're, we're super professional here. Um, let me go over the topics today so you know what's coming up. Uh, obviously, it's a really busy day for everybody. So I appreciate that you guys even joined because the PlayStation 5 is coming out. And that is going to be one of our topics, not the PS5 and the Xbox being out, but how will Switch fare against the new next-gen consoles. And then we'll have a look at what uh, Nintendo has planned for Black Friday, which is just around the, the corner. And we'll talk about the latest games. There are actually 29 new games out in the next week. And we'll tell you the very much smaller number of games you should actually pay attention to. <laughs> anyway, uh, with that out of the, the way, um, uh, let's jump right into the show. So yes, it is the beginning of Generation 9 the ninth generation of consoles. And I wanted to just go through a little bit of history before we get into it. So uh, I'm not going to ask anybody's age here, um, but Generation 1 kicked off in 1972, and I was barely born. I was born in 1971. And the very first console was the Magnavox Odyssey. That kicked it off. But uh, I actually have uh, one of the Generation <gasps> 1 consoles oh, right here. Of course. So this is, um, you'll, you won't... <laughs> You won't notice any uh, any name on it, but if you look at the back, there's a Japanese word, and it says Nintendo on the back. And so that's the TV game six. It's got built-in games. Guess how many? Uh, three. How could anyone know? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anyway, that was Generation 1. So that, that kicked things off, and Nintendo was already there. And every other company that was in Generation 1, I think there were like some uh, hundreds of different consoles back then. They're all gone. Uh, generation 2 was in 1976. That was my first console generation that I participated in as a young lad. I think we got ours in like 1977. That was a Fairchild Channel F, the German version. But Generation 2 is also the one that had the Atari 2600 in television, Vectrex, which I, I'm happy to own one too. Anybody That's where I participate? jumped in. Was what, was your, what was your first machine? Damn, you guys are old. Yeah, I'm. Mm -hmm. 1977 was the year that I was born, actually. So oh, yeah, I'm old as old as hell. But uh, it was Star Wars. The first and and Kanye. Uh, the first system that <laughs> <Victor>. we owned. <laughs> Go hand in hand, stars. <laughs> <laughs> was the ColecoVision, which was created by, the, of course, the Connecticut Leather Company. But the first uh, system that I played was the Atari 2600, and I remember playing nice. it very distinctly at somebody's house. I don't remember who it was. I just remember. Being like, this is my jam now. This is what I want to do forever. And look at me now. And then <laughs> Seth and I worked really hard on killing gaming so that nobody else would be able to uh, uh, experience it afterwards. So that was almost the end, right? That was the big console crash with the Atari 2600, and the famous E.T. cartridges buried in the landslide. But oh no, Phoenix Rising. Generation 3 was in 1983. And that was, of course, the Famicom and the NES. Anybody jump in there? Not yet. That is well. Look, I am still not alive, but the first <laughs> <laughs> console that I played on was the NES. So I guess I just okay, but not born yet. Nice. So then, uh, fourth generation Super NES Genesis. Oh man, that's got to be Zach Ryan, no? 
Um, so I played a lot. Pear was actually um, teasing me like a playground bully yesterday because he, he messaged me and was like, hey, what was your first console? And the first console that I owned was a PlayStation. This is a story that I've told on the show before, but the first console that I owned was a PlayStation. I had a, I had a Game Boy, um, and then I went back and played like Super NES and Genesis, and I had friends that had SNES and Genesis. So that was like the first like game, like the first actual home console that I remember playing on was uh uh an nes but i didn't own a, a console in my own house until playstation so that still that still means you were you were part of generation four then and then generation five you already said it playstation n64 saturn jaguar generation six I'm sorry was dreamcast what? saturn and what jag atari jag <laughs> can you can you say the full name for me can you jack jack jaguar Jaguar came out in February. (laughs) Jaguar. Oh, you guys say Jaguar. Yeah, oh that. No, Paris, right? It's Jaguar. Oh, thank you. Jaguar. Pretty evenly split on this one. Nope. (laughs) So, Generation Six, Dreamcast, PS2, GCN, GameCube, Xbox, Generation Seven, Xbox 360, PS3, Wii, and then things get unwieldy. Even back in the early days, generations overlapped a bit. Like you couldn't clearly cut them. And so things got a little bit weird with Generation 7 where, you know, Wii U was almost an extension of the Wii, but we counted as the first Generation 8 console. And then confusingly, we call Switch the last Generation 8 console, even though it's in the same generation with the Wii U. You guys okay Mm. with that? Uh, I I don't know. I I tend to lump... I tend to lump uh, generations like iteratively, right? So whenever the next iteration of a thing is, that's where I I put it in place. So PS3, PS4, uh, I'm sorry, PS3, Xbox uh, 360, Wii, Wii U, like those those are all of one generation to me. Um, and I think Switch kind of falls in line with the the Xbox One and PlayStation 4 generation. That's just where I align it because I was playing tough, those systems when the Switch launched. So The tough part is, yeah, definitely the timing, right? The Switch came out earlier than these machines. And then uh, that it also, um, it's a replacement for Nintendo's handheld machines, which always sat aside the kind of full console generations. But yeah, I so for the... I consider the Switch to be part of any generation at this point i like it's like a thing that's doing its own thing and it and it truly is i mean i feel like um mario kart uh what is it called live or tour the the most recent um, one yeah, yeah, mario kart oh yeah tour. Tour. Home yeah. Circuit. i feel like that's yeah, home circuit that's it i feel like it's just oh. an example of how they just do their own stuff uh, uh and always have nintendo's always been about innovation and play i think but i feel like right now except especially they are just very much trying to uh create experiences that the other two hardware manufacturers are not to the extent that i f- i feel like it feels weird to even group them together also it's it could- weird because i'm like where does breath of, Wild- of the wild sit as game of the generation does it compete with xbox one or playstation 4 or does it compete with the next cycle i don't that's too confusing for me <laughs> yeah yeah that's they, a great it, point actually it, it, it sorry I, I totally misunderstood i thought you were talking about um the mobile mario kart mario that's kart probably where my brain also got confused on the name but i haven't yeah. i haven't actually played that it looks so cool but again it's just something that that the other two aren't doing and mm-hmm. nintendo just does their mm-hmm. own thing and i i love them for it yeah I, th- I, th- I think switch seeing switch as a generation buster is really interesting because it you know it most definitely is the beginning of a line of switch machines just like there were dsis right there or or 3ds 2ds different different iterations on that machine whereas like you know the next ps playstation will be 
PlayStation 6, right? Whereas Xbox seems to be more leaning towards that, that Nintendo setup of iterative hardware. But anyway, let's get into Generation 9. So here we are. Um, everybody here has a, has a new Xbox Series X. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, Seth doesn't yet. It's everybody for, here has Christmas, a... But we got one. Shh. He can't hear. Uh, what about PlayStation 5? Anybody? I'm just waiting for my dogs yeah. to start barking. And you'll see me just jump out of my chair in the middle of the show. I'm just kidding. But no, it should be here. It's out for delivery. Mine just arrived at uh, Terry Schwartz's. I have to go pick it up from Terry's place. So it's there. (laughs) (laughs) Very excited. She she sent me a text since we've been recording. That's a famous restaurant in LA. Mm-hmm. Terry Schwartz. Terry Schwartz. Schwartz, yes. Delhi. Yeah. Um, so let's get right into the topic. How do you think Nintendo Switch will hold up against this, this new generation of consoles? Obviously, you, you probably don't have much experience playing PlayStation 5 games, but you know, you you know what the games look like and you've been following the coverage and you've hopefully played your your Xbox already. How, how will Nintendo survive in the face of the Xbox and PlayStation 5? this meme you know that meme where there's the the girl walking and then there's the couple and the guys looking back making the face mm-hmm. yes yes i say i see this meme. meme i did make this one actually uh where <laughs> i put uh on the explanation of the guy looking back it's basically uh games i already own but on nintendo switch <laughs> and then the girlfriend is games i own because i, I think that that's still a reality is like i played hades on pc and then i was like Eh, and I've just been playing it on Switch ever since. And there are so many games that I feel like I want to play on the Switch organically, and I don't see that changing anytime soon, obviously, especially for indies who've seen uh, tremendous growth and success in terms of sales on Switch, even for things that released many years later. And I just feel like that that uh, handheld appeal doesn't go anywhere. And that includes for games that are sort of recent, like um, Ori. Like the, mm-hmm. the Ori games are things that I, I, I'm very happy to play on Switch, even if it means that I'm playing them again. Though I do also love that they have... Uh, uh, Xbox achievement integration for for some of those things, but like I'm playing Minecraft on on Switch more than anywhere else. Uh, so I feel like the the appeal of that platform isn't lost, and and maybe that's I'm surely it's not me, but because I use it handheld primarily, uh, nothing can can compete with that comfort really. So that's that's really in, that's a really interesting point. Obviously, the the Switch offers handheld play, but we also live in a year where going on trips and being outdoors and out and about with your switch isn't really that much of a reality for most people. Right. So like, I, I, I'm wondering, do you, do you feel like that that's impacted the switch or is it just immune where like the portability factor isn't so much about travel alone. It's just like convenience. You can just play anywhere in your home. You don't have to like sit down in front of your, your TV on your couch. It's just like you're untethered with it. I suppose yeah, I, I sit in bed and do it. <laughs> well, like, yeah. If I'm between things, just have it on my desk. Like uh, for a lunch break, that's what I was doing with Animal Crossing all the time. So uh, <laughs> when I'm assessing it, I'm like, I could have been playing it on a 4K TV this whole time, but I'm happy to not because I, I love the I love the handheld device and it, it feels so good and clean. And I feel like that's especially compared to trying um, xCloud recently which isn't even called xCloud anymore. They gave it also some very confusing name. But with you know uh, uh, any of the setups that they had, I was like, I did not realize or give enough credit to Nintendo for how well the Switch is designed mm-hmm. as a handheld device and for how comfortable it is. When mm-hmm. you try playing with like a controller and a phone or with, uh, I think it's like the Razer um, add-on that they made uh, for Android phones, like none of them are as comfortable as the Switch. Uh, so th- that kind of thing isn't even going to compete, which is, I feel like, the, the more immediate competitor in the handheld space. 
Yeah, and nothing wakes you up quite like a switch when you fall asleep in bed playing it. That's got a real good satisfying <laughs> thwack on your flat on the old, <laughs> or is that just me? On the old face. Oh yeah. Still yeah. never. I've been it. playing. I've been playing a lot of Pikmin uh, <sighs> before I go to bed. Like that's just kind of my chill out and relax game before I go to sleep. And uh, I, I am sad to admit that yes, I've definitely dropped my switch on my face more than <laughs> once in the last like <laughs> a couple of weeks. Because it's so just a lot like of you such brought a chill up... game, you know? <laughs> yeah. So Alana, you brought up Ori. Uh, I would say Ori is one of the show horse games on the Xbox Series X. Like when you, you know, you, you get an instant upgrade, the game runs at, you know, 120 hertz. It is ridiculously pretty on the Xbox. Even if you don't have 120 hertz TV, it's like 6K super sampled at 60 frames per second. And like mm-hmm. the HDR, yeah. everything just pops. And I, at the risk of uh, at the risk of being unpop- sounding unpopular here, I, I would go so far as to call that game a show Jaguar. Oh, okay. thank yeah. you jaguar correct it, pronunciation we appreciate it mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, no. Th- thanks for helping with that but like so <laughs> do you I, I i personally find it hard like i i own it on the switch as well and i i find it hard to motivate motivate myself to play it on the switch now that it's out on the xbox right because it is just visually it's just such a step ahead that's not to say that the uh, switch version is bad it's like it's a but, really really good port um, but how but much as of somebody- that is how much of that is dependent on you being at home though like you said earlier right like i feel like like both ori games just knowing how, how like what kind of games you play on the switch and how you typically like interact with that like you used to travel a lot for work i used to travel a lot for work and i would play a lot of games on the switch and i feel like if 2020 wasn't this like dumpster fire and we could we were still in a, a you know routine uh travel situation like i feel like like you would probably not look at ori on the xbox series x because there are assassin's creed valhalla's to play there and you know like all these other games that are are engineered for that system um upres for that system uh and that ori is is the same experience on switch as it is on xbox just like a little prettier you know Han- uh, no be that way though because there are so many people who don't travel who will still play on their switch over playing on console and i do think oh the yeah point no with- i just i just meant pair specifically in the, in <laughs> that's fair yeah. i do think the point with ari is is a good one i meant um will of the wisps is a beautiful game that on a like a big screen 4k tv is is just awe-inspiring it's stunning uh but it's still the kind of game where it was actually what I what I played this year was um, the Blind Forest. I replayed before playing Will of the Wisps on my Switch, and that just seemed like the right thing to do for whatever reason. But maybe that is in a lot of cases for games I already own. Uh, but I, I feel like I don't know if you guys are the same. My brain has made a list of Switch games and other games, and I don't know how I've actually chosen the Switch games. Like it was just very clear to me when I started playing Hades. This is a Switch game. I'm playing this yep. on Switch, but yeah. I don't know why. I think yeah, yeah I, I, th- I think we all do that, right? It's the yeah, totally. we probably wouldn't wouldn't play Assassin's Creed if you know the if Valhalla came out on the system. We probably wouldn't see that as a must buy on the Switch and play it on the consoles first. But yeah, any of these indie games, especially roguelikes, any mm-hmm. any games where the play experience is not like sitting there for ten hours following a story, I instantly put in the Switch pocket. Mm-hmm. I guess anything that's not overly cinematic, uh, I think makes sense. And I'm trying to think if if I were to pick the most cinematic game that I played on Switch, it's hard to even actually do that. Like probably Breath of the Wild, right? Any of the core Nintendo games like Xenoblade or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. It's probably Breath of the Wild. Yeah. So 
So, you know, back, let's, let's stay on hardware for a second before we talk about third-party support. But um, do you think the current machine then cuts it? Or, or do you feel like Nintendo is fast-tracking or planning uh, a hardware iteration next year? Do you think we'll see a more powerful Nintendo Switch next year? I mean, you can yeah. see power comes at a price, right? Like, you were talking, like, do you have your PS5 next to you, uh, Zach? Um, if, yeah. if you hold it up, it's, uh, it's almost the size of Zach, right? <laughs> like, power comes at a price. Do you, think we'll see a, do you think we'll see? Do you think we'll? You can take this on the road. Like, look, I'm playing it handheld right now. Yeah, this is fine. That is a big sandwich. <laughs> oh man, that's a big uh, sandwich. And, and so, second um, part of that question: Do you think the upgrade is going to be significant enough to actually matter in face of next gen, or is it basically more about making it easier for companies to port their older games to it? I think that I think that, um, yeah, and I've said it many times on the show. Like, I definitely think we're going to get a Switch Pro next year. Like, I just feel like I don't know why. I don't have any like real evidence to point me to this, but I feel very confident that we'll get something. Uh, in my wildest dreams, I think we get like a, a January reveal and a March release with Breath of the Wild too. Um, but I, I realize that that's like probably wishful thinking more so than anything. Um, but I do think I do think that Switch Pro is, is likely coming next year, and I think that it is. Um, it'll run with a chipset that's comparable to to base PS4 and Xbox One, and that will allow Ubisoft to put Assassin's Creed Valhalla on that on that system. It'll allow EA to put you know the modern versions of FIFA and not like rehashes of the <laughs> previous year's Switch version of FIFA, right? Like I guess it's Seth's laughing, but that's like a big deal, right? No, like, I know, I know. I just I, the absurdity of what they do with that is sure. what made me laugh. Um, and, and I think that that is, a, is probably more important from a third-party perspective to Nintendo than, um, yeah. I, I mean, I, I think that that's probably like key to that business model working for uh, Switch Pro. Since you're playing Oracle, selfishly, I want to ask, do you think the new device will be a completely different form factor? Like, do I have to give up my, uh, my, my little Joy-Con? What is or do you think it'll, be, it'll just be the core part will be more powerful? Hmm, that's a good question. Because here's the thing. <laughs> Nintendo, like, suck. like <laughs> I feel like, Zach, even if you're saying, like, well, based on nothing, they're going to release another one this uh, next year. I also agree they will release another one next year. And I don't ha! think it's based on nothing. It is on a history of repeatedly iterating. The iterative consoles, consoles yeah. Yeah, sure. so they've done it for so long. And I also feel like in a lot of cases, Nintendo does want to make money with it. But the Joy-Con are already so expensive and obviously have already had drift issues. I had uh, Joy-Con drift for the first time this year uh, after playing too much Animal Crossing. Yeah, thankfully, a friend of mine is very good at fixing them. He fixes everyone's (laughs) drift. So, yeah, he did manage to fix it. I need his number. <laughs> very, very handy. He like rode up to me on a motorbike with his mask on, and we didn't exchange. It was very cool. Oh, but, uh, got it wow. fixed. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I feel like it would right. be. I, I can see Nintendo doing it because uh, there are some business practices that they sometimes have that I I just am so confused by, and uh, sometimes I don't feel like it's the most consumer friendly. Um, but I I just feel like making us buy a new version of the Joy-Con, especially if it were at the same price, it just seems mean, especially when the, I think the lawsuit's still ongoing. Mm. Yeah, there's still a class action suit on it. Thank you, Alana. That gives me some confidence. <laughs> I do not want to replace my fleet of Joy-Con. You guys didn't even notice oh. that was a, that's a special edition Fortnite one. Oh, mm. wow. Big. Fa- that's actually pretty cool. That Big fan of Fortnite, Pat? Nice you play a lot of Fortnite? 
No, just a fan of Joy-Con <laughs> <fan> and <laughs> somewhat obsessed. That's how um, they get it. So uh, yeah, you, you're absolutely right. Obviously, there's a long history of Nintendo iterating on their hardware. You know, whether it's um, upgrading slightly with components or releasing all new Pikachu N64 is obviously the the, <laughs> the one everybody wants. But um, so there's a related question to this from uh, uh, SOL from the IGN Nintendo board. Um, you know, if you go to IGN, there's a whole forum set of forums you can uh, hang out on with and chat with your friends. So he asks. Does Switch need a price cut in response to the $399 PS5 Digital Edition if no Switch 4K version is planned? What do you think? I mean, we will talk about Black Friday a little bit later, and we know what the the bundle will cost. Like, Do you think Nintendo needs to cut the price in order to compete? Uh, No, not at all. Nintendo, you can't even buy a Switch half the time. Uh, There's no lack of demand for the Nintendo Switch. They don't need to cut the price. They will still sell out in you know like a day whenever amazon gets them they are fine for now maybe a little down the road sure but for now to compete with a 399 playstation 5 digital that nobody can buy anyway no they're they're completely fine that that those consoles aren't even on the radar of like regular people who don't you know play video games a lot all anecdotally anyone who's asking me for advice is asking me hey i want to get a switch which one should i get hey my kids are really into switch and they want one which model version whatever should i get nobody's tell asking them, me and you tell them every time the Fortnite limited edition with the special joy <laughs> exactly and the skin i think it comes with a, a special skin get that yeah out the here. uh i, I don't it's have very- i don't have the joy con uh the the dock has little Fortnite icons in the back of the switch does too but you can't actually buy that one in the u.s that's a, a european and uh australian new zealand edition only so far so there you go. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, I ultimately agree with, with Seth, though. I don't think they need to do that, nor do I think they will. So I'm not sure about hardware uh, because I just don't recall, but I feel like Nintendo almost never puts things on sale or discounts anything. <laughs> right. Like their games just never go on sale. Did, did the Wii U become cheaper after a period of time? No, not that I remember. Not even the Wii U. So there was yeah, there's a lot one of supply and demand considerations <laughs> to be taken in. So. No, no, but you're you're absolutely right. Obviously, it seems like Nintendo has a little bit of that Apple protection going, where it's like you know an iPhone may not be more powerful than a uh, than an Android phone, but it sure is more expensive, and it seems mm-hmm. like those things sell anyway, right? So there's a little bit of that factor. They did one time. Uh, with a Nintendo 3DS launch, the 3DS sold slower than they expected. And so at that point, I think internally they said, we've priced this too high. And they had right. to adjust it. And they gave everybody the, what was it, the apology the, set of games? Right, the the, uh, uh, like the Pioneers wow. Pack Ambassador. or something. Yeah, the Ambassador program. That's right, yeah. So that, but but you're right. That was the one time. And like the 3DS sold a little slow. It doesn't seem like the Switch has that problem, right? No. No, no. not even close. <laughs> Um, which would make sense but otherwise a i don't think they need to you know my my sister uh isn't a huge gamer um but did grow up playing the nintendo 64 with me and just in the last few months has been like i think i want a nintendo switch um not a person who is up to date with consoles but it's still somehow in her wheelhouse that she should get a nintendo switch and that there are games that she will enjoy on the switch so I feel like it's it's a thing that is still even for people who aren't necessarily gamers who tried to get one day one like we did. That console still appeals to them more than trying to get an Xbox Series X or a PS5 does. 
Makes mm-hmm. sense. So let's move on to games then. So we have a question from Angelo Ray from the NVC Facebook group. Uh, if you're on Facebook, there's a wonderful little chat group. Uh, you have to apply to be let in by answering a very simple question, which totally apply makes matter. it sound yeah. so much more difficult mm-hmm. than it is. Oh, it is. It is a club. You have to say answer me. These we've, riddles three. We've received your application for the Nintendo group and we'll get back to you as soon as we can. That's right. It's a tiny club of 10,000 people. So Angelo Ray um, asked... Since the next-gen consoles have finally arrived, do you think we'll start to see diminishing third-party support for the Switch if there ends up not being any sort of hardware revision or updates in the near future? Are we potentially looking at more and more streaming games like Control in an effort to try and keep up with third-party releases instead of a beefed-up version on the Switch? Being that the Switch is still selling so well, I'm not convinced that Nintendo is ready to do a hardware refresh yet. What do you guys think? I think the answer to both questions is yes. You know, yeah. I, I like, I think just by just looking at development costs for, for developing an alternate version for the switch or a dumbed down version for the switch probably limits the amount of development that will happen for a console as it ages out. Right. Like as they're creating stuff for bigger platforms, more powerful platforms, like I feel like, like that is just sort of a byproduct of that. Um, the second part of his question was, uh, uh, more streaming. And yeah. I, I mean, I think that's a viable option for some. Um, my internet is terrible. So like I would never try to stream a game to my switch because it, like I can barely download PS4 games that don't take like all day for me to do it. So, really? um, Oh God. Yeah. My internet sucks. Um, it's- yeah, I'll, I'll send you a screenshot. I took this morning. It's, it's embarrassing. Um, but, <laughs> uh, yeah. So I, yeah, I think the answer to both of his questions is yes. I forgot the, what the, both of the questions are. <laughs> yeah, you got, so you the, got, the first question was about third-party support, support yes. and the second yes. question was like, is streaming a more viable option? Gotcha. Because like Call of, Call of Duty is already not on the Switch, right? And this is now becoming... It used to be that Call of Duty was always on a Nintendo platform, even uh, if it meant creating a lesser version, but it's right. we're, we're done with that, right? And a Call of Duty DS. Everybody oh, yeah. on that. <laughs> will, will we see we didn't see Star Wars um launch um on, on the Switch either. So I mean I could I could imagine there being more streaming exper- experiments if people liked how control performed on their, their connections. Maybe. My answer is yeah. sort of yes and no, because I think that uh everyone's in a difficult spot right now with um Xbox especially promising backwards and forwards compatibility. Uh, so that um, hopefully developers are encouraged to make games on multiple platforms. And, you know, obviously that the people are assuming, and I don't know that it's actually true, that the cyberpunk being delayed again is because they are on so many platforms um, that people are having trouble making everything playable. Um, and I know that that is a huge feat. Uh, so it is, it's just, my thought is that it's already something that people are having to consider. And with the Switch having such a strong player base, um, I think that there are choices to be made, but I don't think that anything necessarily changes immediately. Like, I feel like this is like a maybe in two years kind of thing where everything stops being developed for the Switch, not, mm-hmm. you know, tomorrow because the PlayStation mm-hmm. 5 is out. Um, at which point I do imagine they will have new hardware to to keep up with that, which again is really strange because I still don't feel like Nintendo are part of the same generation, but they're still at the whims of the same generation if they want that third-party support. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems like, I mean... I imagine Nintendo cares more about some of the all ages games being present still like the Lego series of games yeah. than they care about a lot of the big core games. They 
I think with the Wii, they've gained the confidence that they can go their own path um, and they don't have to do what they tried with a GameCube to kind of stay uh, on pace with Xbox and PS2. But if we look at, so what, what I'm hearing is that we do think um, third-party support is going to change a little bit and that maybe Switch will become more or entirely about the, you know, the games that you mentioned, Alana, the kind of like the games we put in the Switch drawer and then the first-party games. Um, if I uh, can just and just you. dance will be there until 2035. <laughs> that is true. That's true. <laughs> that actually is releasing this week, so very topical. All right, not but on I'm, Wii though. Sorry, folks. No. So here, first one ever. Just yep. Just so you guys, here's here's the first party lineup that that we know of. Um, Nintendo's been pretty mum of, of what's coming after uh, Q1 of next year. Um, <laughs> good one. Uh, Hyrule Warriors: Age of Calamity is obviously coming uh, in in just a couple of days. There's Fire Emblem: Shadow uh, Dragon and the Blade of Light, which is not exactly a new new game. And NES uh, Famicom port from December uh, December fourth. There's Immortals: Phoenix Rising from Ubisoft. Um, an example of a rare third-party game uh, coming coming out at the same time. Uh, Super Mario 3D World and Bowser's Fury. So Wii U remake February 12th. Bravely Default 2 February 26th, and then yes. Monster Hunter Rise March 26th. Casey, um, we're we're thinking of you. Uh, do you guys? What do you guys think of this lineup? Do you do you think that's good? That's enough? Yeah, solid. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Solid, but uh, not blown away. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think <laughs> you know of the of the games that we talked about, you know, three are first party. Um, well, I guess four are first party, but only only three of them are first party and new to the Switch. Right. Um, you know, one is a port, two are ports. Like, like, look, Fire Emblem, Shadow Dragon, and Blade of Light. That's for dorks like us that are like nintendo fans nintendo collectors like i i don't necessarily like you have this a major switch releases but like i don't i i don't consider that a major release i think that that's like such a niche a niche thing and immortal phoenix rising I, that game for all intents and purposes as much as i've seen of it looks awesome but like i'm gonna play that on my xbox you know like yeah. you guys you, you guys are pretty kind like when i look at that lineup i'm like <laughs> outside of hyrule warriors like i don't feel like i was bravely default kind. monster hunter like, they're 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 interesting games but that's a pretty slim lineup yeah uh, if that's defining the future of switch and obviously it's not right they're working on more stuff they're just not announcing it i guess when i'm looking games? at the like ps5 and xbox series x releases for right now which is different because you know obviously the start of every generation is always a bit slim N- nintendo with that lineup is releasing more stuff over the same period of time so comparatively <laughs> i'm like pretty good but i mean yeah nothing i'm blown away by do we have a release date for pokemon snap yet uh it's uh yeah we no it doesn't have a firm no no release next year no just just give me that honestly then i'm good (laughs) it was on their it was on their recent list as part of their earnings as as being a next year title um, cool. I want to check in with our listeners slash viewers for a second. So we're using a platform uh, called Yappa right now where people can uh, submit their yaps, look out for articles asking you for your opinion or links on our Facebook group uh, to these um, to these listener questions. And we asked, uh, you know, fittingly, how do you think Nintendo will defend against the two new next gen consoles? So let's check in with Aaron first. Hey, MVC crew. I hope y'all are well. Uh, with your question this week, I actually don't think that Nintendo has to worry about defending against the Xbox Series X or PlayStation 5 or anything regarding the next-gen consoles, honestly. 
Nintendo's always been a company that can march to the beat of their own drum outside of the Wii U and that catastrophe. But specifically, when we think about the way these consoles are designed to be more of a home console, the Switch is a great complementary system for many gamers and a great entry point for many gamers that aren't necessarily interested in having the latest and greatest. There's a massive library, great exclusives, and at the end of the day, as long as they keep doing what they're doing, they'll continue to be successful. Have a good one. Thank you, Aaron. Yeah. I mean, this well said. Well said. I, I, you know, at the top of this conversation, when we talked about um, how we think Nintendo is going to compete, I, I was a little afraid of being reductive because my answer was essentially like Nintendo doesn't have to compete. I don't think they've ever like really felt like they've been in competition, except for maybe back in the you know PlayStation One era. Like that was the last time that I feel like Nintendo tried to go toe to toe with anybody else. Um, but I, I, I take particular umbrage with him saying that the Wii U was a catastrophe. I mean, there, there's, it hurt me there's a little some, bit because I still love the Wii U. I'm a me Wii U too. apologist. I love that yeah, console. Same. The fact yeah. that you could play all your Wii games on it as well. Just... Yeah. Um, it's done can, but no, I thought I, I, I completely agree with everything that you said. I thought I thought he hit the nail on the head there. You can love a catastrophe. <laughs> it's a good point yeah. yeah from a financial perspective certainly was was that for nintendo yeah. but um no, it's really interesting obviously uh nintendo is in competition with everybody for dollars right they're in competition right. with some toy companies too because not people have finite um uh, amounts of money and uh uh but if we look at um how much money is being spent on gaming this year it certainly is up Right, so oh, yeah. there's uh, more and more people are playing games and uh, are spending more on their hobby. Nintendo, too. So, especially, like uh-huh, I wonder yeah. what Animal Crossing was projected to sell versus what it sold. Versus what it did, I, yeah. just no, tremendous. I, it <laughs> right. it surprised everybody. So let's uh, hear from uh, next. We'll hear from Matt from Long Island. Hello, Nintendo Voice Chat. My name is Matt from Long Island, and to answer your question, I believe Nintendo will ignore what Sony and Microsoft are doing and focused on what they've always done the last few generations. And that's focused on making new Mario Zelda and their other first party titles, uh, which people continue to jump on. Uh, it's usually their secondary console or their primary and they have a secondary as well. Nintendo will do its own thing. They don't try and have the best graphics. They don't try and compete on their level and they're really successful at it. Uh, ever since the Wii, when they decided they were going to, go different ways they've been really successful at just trying to do what nintendo does best there you go more faith from matt (laughs) yeah and then uh if we if we can get one more listener um eduardo also has something to say hey guys uh look i think that nintendo really doesn't need to do anything else from what they're already doing now because um well, they're offering something that their competition will never offer right now with their next-gen systems. They will definitely not do it, and that is having the comfortness of having a home console on the go. That versatility is what actually attracts people to the Switch, and it just keeps getting stronger. You know, The general audience doesn't care about the other stuff, about 4K, 8K. You know, they just want to play good games, and... If they can play them on the go with that easy and comfortness that the Switch offers, they will do it. Completely agree. Pretty, agree. We're ever allowed. Pretty unanimous across again. all three of those comments too. Yeah. You know? yeah. We couldn't. We didn't hear from anybody who said they're screwed. 
uh, and they need to change <laughs> their ways. And obviously, <laughs> seeing the sales numbers right now, it's kind of hard to make that argument. Yeah, no, um, they're they're doing just fine. They're doing fine. So, um, you know, that's it for uh, for talking about Nintendo's prospects in the face of the next and next gen. Obviously, we're gonna watch this story very closely. It's gonna be interesting to see what the sales numbers will look like for the rest of the the quarter. Nintendo's been doing really, really well so far. You know, some NPD data saying that in Q3, Nintendo's uh, sales were the highest since the across all device uh, consoles uh, since the DS days. So yeah. they're doing incredibly well, and it's going to be interesting to see, um, you know, how the new machines impact it. But I stand by my prediction that Nintendo is going to win this holiday season, even okay. with the next-gen consoles. So let's set in stone. You're absolutely right, because nobody could get yeah. the other two, but still. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. yeah. Technically. <laughs> we've also seen in the past, we've seen that, you know, consoles don't peak in sales uh, in their lo- in their launch um, quarter or, or month, right? The PlayStation, mm-hmm. uh, two years in, built up much more momentum than it ever had in the first year. So we'll, we'll definitely, it's, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon, as they say. So let's talk a little bit about the holiday season, because we're just um, a couple of days away from November 27th, which is uh, that um, ode to consumerism, where for whatever reason, we feel compelled to buy things that we don't really need, because they're cheaper. And somehow cheaper <laughs> means you're saving money, even though you exactly. don't. Exactly. That was always how I felt about it. I'm like, it doesn't count as saving money if you wouldn't have spent the money otherwise. My, my wife always says, we saved 20 bucks. I'm like, no, we spent 120. <laughs> my mom's like that with clothing sales. She's like, but it was uh-huh. on sale. I'm like, but yeah. did you need it? Right. <laughs> so uh, we, we, uh, we have Seth here as an expert from our deals team. Um, you know, he, he's behind a lot of the recommendations of things that you can buy for cheap. Um, so I wanted to talk about Black Friday a little bit because you Ooh. guys, I said Nintendo Nintendo hardly ever has sales and they do have some sales. They already announced some early deals uh, or you know at least the retailers did, which means you know Nintendo's fueling them. Mm-hmm. So uh Seth, what do they what do they got for us? Uh well, this year uh, first Best Buy came out uh, with a with an ad showing that they're going to have the Mario Kart 8 Nintendo Switch bundle with 3 months of Nintendo Online for 299. And then Nintendo put out a press release, and that's just their Black Friday bundle. So you get Mario Kart 8, uh, a Nintendo Switch, three months of Nintendo Online, $2.99. It's the exact same bundle that they do every Black Friday, only this mm-hmm. year, it's the uh, version 2 Switch. Last year, they offered mm-hmm. this deal with the original Switch. They were just clearing out what they had left, I guess. And in spite of that, in spite of the fact that we made, you know, very explicitly in all everything we wrote, like, this is the, the older model Switch. That thing didn't last a, a, I think maybe a couple hours. It was gone mm-hmm. completely. It, and I have a feeling that that is going to be the case this year. This is going to be the hottest video game item that you can get. <laughs> and it's yeah, I mean, basically, it's it's the same price as a, a regular Switch, and it is the it has the neon blue and neon neon red um, Joy-Con in it. Yep. Uh, so no special Mario colors or anything. But it no, is, it's a bummer. It, you're essentially getting Mario Kart for free and then three uh, free months. Um, it's, which, uh, it's completely cheaper. It's, it's genius because everybody knows Mario Kart. So yep. this, yeah. just it's you get that for free. And then when the, you know, when you uh, when you're an old guy like me uh, in an alternate universe who doesn't play games anymore and, you know, does Nintendo online finds, oh, my God, I can play Nintendo games. I can play Super Nintendo games. OK, this is this is awesome. So, yeah, this Mario is a Kart. 
<laughs> so uh, with that though they, there are a couple of uh, games that are also going on sale which is rare and so I want to ask the panel here uh, the, there are three different price points um, uh, $40, $35 and $30 for Nintendo first party and kind of first party uh, third party collaboration so I wanted to ask everybody uh, your picks so the first category is games that are going to be on sale at 40 bucks includes Link's Awakening Luigi's Mansion 3, Super Mario Maker 2. If I only bought one of those three, which ones would you get, Zach? Luigi's Mansion 3. Okay. Link's Awakening for $40 just seems so nuts. Um, Look, okay, I'm going to say I absolutely love um, the other two, but I think that the game that I get the most value out of is Mario Maker 2. I'm still playing it frequently, and there is a lot of replayability. Seth, yeah, what that's are you? Super Mario Maker Two. Yeah, I love that game. I'm I'm with. Sorry, we're tied, folks. I'm with uh, with Zach on this. It's Luigi's Mansion Three, which is so really damn good. good. I love that game Phenomenal. so much. Phenomenal. Uh, next is yeah. the thirty five dollars. Uh, you can get these games at Best Buy for thirty five bucks. Um, follow the IGN Deals uh, account on Twitter. Uh, yeah, please. Links. Uh, Fire Emblem Three Houses. Yay! New Super Mario Brothers U Deluxe. Yoshi's Crafted World. Splatoon Two. And Mario Tennis Aces. What do you think, Zach? I mean, anybody that's listened to this show long enough knows that my choice from this group would be uh, Mario Tennis Aces. No, of course not. Uh, <laughs> Fire Emblem. Like Fire Emblem for sure. There's so much game in Fire Emblem for 35 bucks. That's a real value. What do you think, Same. Mrs. Prince? Fire Emblem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't, actually, uh, I didn't like Fire Emblem. Three houses. <sighs> it's fine. That's fine. I was about I'm to. Sorry, call I'll never it. be asked on again. But oh. no, I would say Splatoon Two. I love that game. It's it's aesthetically it's it's absolutely lovely. It's got great little touches. It's very stylistic, and yeah, they keep a, they keep supporting it, and they keep they supporting they it. Stop. Yeah. Hey, right. guess what? It's like all of a sudden it's like ah, it's it's tomatoes versus bananas. You're like what? Okay. Well, cool. good news is this category is not too early to call because it's clearly the answer is Fire Emblem. All right, next one is thirty dollar titles at GameStop. You have your choice of, and there's uh, some third-party stuff now. Mario and Sonic at the Olympic Games, uh, The Outer Worlds, Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu, Let's Go Eevee, Mm. and then Sonic uh, Mania and Team Sonic Racing. There's a two-in-one bundle, both games for 30 bucks. What do you think? I mean, go with the value. You get two games in one bundle. Okay. Yeah, Yeah, but then you have to play Sonic. Yeah, I'm still saying. But they're good. Yeah, they're good. Hey, Sonic Mania is great. I love I love that game. Uh, there, um, look, there are a lot of Sonic games that I love, but I am going with Outer Worlds personally. Um, I've actually not played it on the platform, so I don't know what it's like. But again, another really big beefy RPG, a lot of fun, really creative writing. Um, I, I think that game's a blast. I really really liked it. Yeah, the only game I don't like on the list is uh, Mario and Sonic at the Olympic Games. Okay. Uh, I didn't have a lot of fun with it. By the way, you can get it for 25 bucks at Best Buy if you really, really want it. What do you think, The only Olympics that we had. That's (laughs) right. Yeah, I mean, I I think uh, I I would pick up, I actually would pick up Mario and Sonic at the Olympic Games um, because I think it's going to be like such a weird historical relic because that is a game that is based on an event that was canceled. Um, Well, it's coming back. Yeah. yeah, but not in 2020, you know? 2021. They'll just <laughs> Maybe scratch it out. They'll put a sticker on it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I, I don't know. None of these games really, like, do it for me. But, I, I, yeah, as a historical relic, I think I would go like Mario the Outer Worlds? 
That's I, I like it on I like it on PlayStation Four where I played it, but like I wouldn't recommend it on Switch. Yeah, I, I can't I can't imagine, but I've. I have not seen gameplay. Does anyone know how, it, Suppos- how well it plays? Supposedly, it re- well, I, I mean, it. I don't know about any any patches or anything, but at, at launch, it ran really rough, and it looked like somebody it, smeared a bunch of Vaseline on it. You know, it's it's playable, but it's like on a big screen TV. I didn't I didn't like the look on the small screen. It's fine, um, mm-hmm. and yeah, it, it has some issues, but it's definitely playable, and it's a good game um, from the folks at Obsidian, right? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I would have. I honestly would have picked Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu. Um, like, that was my two. One like, of the two. Very good. They're a lot of fun. Like a lot more fun than I expected. Even though they are like a lot more simpler than your usual Pokemon, they're still well. They're not. Yeah, they're not like as childish as I was worried mm-hmm. they would be. And then a really great example of a remake done right. Also, you know, yeah. I think mm-hmm. there's like a lot of quality of life stuff that's improved there. Um, yeah, that that would be a good one for thirty bucks as well. I want to point out before we move on that there will be many more games than just this this is just what we know oh, totally. of for sure there will be so many more video games on sale that's right so this keep it locked just... ign deals that's right this <laughs> just is just shameless. what's out there so um <laughs> there's it's it's been a pretty quiet week and i, I think nintendo's holding back a little bit because they don't want to scream into the storm of you know the, the all the chatter around the next gen consoles there's been uh you know there's some small stuff like uh there's a new launch um this friday and that's the super mario brothers game and watch yeah um very notable for the fact that it has not gone on pre-order in the u.s and it's out in like a day yeah what is that all about mm. it was weird? being held up with fcc um certification was the original reason why you couldn't get it and then that seems to have cleared up they haven't They've taken that uh, that wording out of the placeholder pages, but you still you still can't buy it, even though everybody wants to buy it. I pre-ordered from Japan. Yeah. Like Amazon Japan will actually ship it to the U.S. Yeah, it's like <laughs> it's in amazing. The end, with with shipping and exchange rate, I think what is it like eighty bucks, Seth? Yeah. Yep. Uh, Has this happened before? Mm. That something has just not been pre-orderable at this far out. Like that seems so strange. Or this soon, I guess. It is. It is very strange. Hmm. You know, they want it to be this kind of rare limited item where ordinarily would run to a store and get it. But obviously, um, we don't do that right now. Yeah. Um, when are we uh, going to get a review of this thing? Uh, at uh, midnight Eastern time tonight. So 9 p.m. Pacific time, a review of this device is going live. And it's written excellently because it was written by me. Oh God. <laughs> so all you game and watch fans out there you'll wake up tomorrow morning oh boy rub your hands together ign just three little letters <laughs> boom 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 I, I, got, watch I can't wait just for you from the great seth macy <laughs> can't wait to hear about this super mario brothers game it's the latest yeah, thing right. there's 30 uh, i'm excited secrets. just i'm excited did you find all 35 it. did you find all 35 secrets in your review seth or i can't talk anything yeah. about this is other the than funny part yeah. in that a review of a very old game is embargoed. <laughs> <laughs> you can't talk about it. I mean, if you, did, if you didn't find all three, three secrets, you didn't finish. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'll take so. Anyway, and then one more little uh, uh, news nuggets. And of course, the moment we hit stop on this recording, there'll be a hundred new announcements and they'll met Metroid Prime 5 will be out, <laughs> uh, even though four is not even done. So that usually happens with this show. But, uh, you know, we heard some uh, some more um, 
data from the NPD, you know, the uh, uh, the company that tracks uh, retail sales and online sales nowadays too. Uh, they issued their Q3 report and they said consumer spending on gaming hardware and content, and that includes accessories and all of that, uh, reached a record $11.2 billion in Q3 in the United States. So that is almost up 25% over last year. And that is before the next-gen consoles actually come out. So that's a, a pretty big milestone there, which means more people are playing games in the United States than ever before. And the leader was Switch. Switch sold more hardware units than All any right. platform since the Nintendo DS in Q3 2009. So wow. really big quarter. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, Do you think that's going to continue? Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. I'm, I'm curious to see what the numbers. I'm curious to see what the numbers look like after this next gen hardware stuff because I feel like I've spent eleven point two three hundred dollars just <laughs> in the last couple of weeks on, on next gen hardware. So, I figured, um, yeah, I think we all contributed way too much to this, especially the uh, the accessories number. Is uh, I'm I'm very guilty um, for that one. <laughs> um, right, so that was our look at at news and what's uh, up for Black Friday. So I wanted to quickly check in with the panel on what we're all playing. I know. You know, everybody's uh, jonesing to get out of here and, and play the Xboxes and PS5s right mm-hmm. now. But um, are you playing anything on the old Switch? Well, Pikmin 3. <laughs> I'm still playing that. And yeah, uh, are you still playing my, Pikmin? Yeah, I'm working my way through Pikmin 3. I, I'm keeping kind of quiet in this this topic because I've talked about Pikmin 3 a lot on the show in the last couple of weeks. But yeah, still loving Pikmin 3. A lot of fruit. A lot of so, fruit. Yeah. So, such good fruit textures. Mm-hmm. I <laughs> love them. I'm actually, I've, I finished it, um, I finished it before and a hundred percented it before I might do it again. I'm in the last area now again. Um, I'm Nothing really else loving, <laughs> I'm really, that's right. I'm really loving the, um, the lore, all the little writings, the, the notes that the four, uh, the four characters are leaving on uh, five on the, uh, the different creatures and stuff. It's really fun to go a little deeper. Uh, I also got Descenders on the Switch. You guys know that game? It's the downhill, downhill biking game. Yeah. Mm. It's oh, a, nice. it's, it's a little rougher on Switch. Like it doesn't run quite as nicely, but, um, you know, if you're into these, challenging kind of physics based uh downhill racing games it's a, it's a really fun little game as well i'm i'm digging it um and then i'm i'm playing picross too hmm. oh shocking that's my that's my i'm i i should be going to bed but i kind of want to just play something game and so uh mm-hmm. i finished you know the other picross games and that one i somehow never finished uh, one of the lines of puzzles, i have puzzled so i'm looking I- on that I have a whole gallery that I'm waiting to drop on my Switch of screen grabs every time Para signs on and he's playing a Picross game while I'm playing something else. I've, I've taken a screen grab. So I'm gonna drop. A, I'm gonna drop that gallery one day. It, it's my it's my midnight game, and then but honestly, I usually fall asleep and the Switch falls. And you drop out of my your hands. Switch right on your face. Boom. And then I get mad because the time says something like 30 minutes to solve the puzzle, and then I have to just restart. Um, <laughs> All right, let's talk about uh, uh, games out this week. I mentioned that there are 29 games coming out in the next seven days. So Sakuna of Rice and Ruin just came out. That's a $40 game. Uh, it's made by a Japanese dev called Edelweiss. Edelweiss? Seth, uh, Seth. Zach, can you uh, pronounce that? Edelweiss? Edelweiss. Yeah, that's almost like Jaguar. 
Um, <laughs> it's a game inspired by ActRaiser, so the kind of like oh. it has two, it has multiple phases. So it has like a planning kind of simulation phase, and then side scrolling and and hack and slash and all of that. So um, give it a look, watch some videos of it. It's got a it's got a cool art style. Uh, it seems to be a pretty good game. And then uh, Fuser is finally out on the Switch. That's sixty bucks from Harmonix. Uh, Alana, you played that a bunch, right? Yeah, I've played a fair amount of Fuser, which for anyone who doesn't know is basically an extension of Drop Mix, um, which frankly, maybe not everyone does know about. Um, but Good. it's it's a DJing game that has <laughs> nothing to do with DJing whatsoever. Um, it's beat matching, but I, right? Mm, I mm, <laughs> no, I mean, it's not beat matching <laughs> in that it's comparable to what what you do when DJing and beat matching. Right. Um, but it is it's it's very cool tech. And I'm actually like curious how it's going to work on on services like Twitch because the songs are significantly changed. So basically it's a game where you have um four records that you can drop and uh say you can choose the baseline from Benny Benassi's Satisfaction and then uh the vocals from Childish Gambino's Summertime and it will meld those two um organically like matching the BPM and matching the key um cool. to create just mixes that a dj can't even actually make because you can't separate tracks to that extent so um you can make a lot of really cool sounding unique stuff that i think one of the the best things about fuser is that you could probably play fuser at a party and actually get people dancing uh because it it just makes it makes almost anything sound really good and (laughs) is both very easy to play but also gets really complicated in a way that i feel like um like pokemon does where it's something that if you just want to play it really base level and be like I want these vocals on this song. Uh, then that's just a tap A. Sounds better if you tap A at the right time, but you only need to do it once every 30 seconds or so, so it's really not complicated. But then there is a back end to the game where you can get way more complicated and, and kind of make your own sounds. Uh, but I feel like it's it's very accessible and has a pretty solid library right now. I don't know that I feel like the game is worth $60 at this point. Like that price point seems a little bit too high, um, but it's very cool tech that I think will be uh, neat for for people who just want to listen to music even during lockdown. Like you could play music for your friends and it would be fun. There's also a multiplayer mode, like online multiplayer. So it's like, it's just like a cool little uh, extension of everything Harmonix has already done with obviously like Rock Band and everything else. Mm-hmm. They're very good at doing it. Uh, it's a lot of fun um it's certainly not going to teach you how to dj uh even a little bit rock band doesn't teach you how to do rock band either exactly so. yeah. <laughs> it feels maybe. like it's worth noting yeah maybe yep. <laughs> but you the, can get through rock band just by like kind of humming a note so questionable <laughs> yeah well if if 60 bucks is too much for you um there are more music-based games out one you know seth's favorite just dance oh, 2021 is hitting the switch and it's probably hitting the Super NES and uh, the N64 <laughs> and the GameCube and the Wii. Um, but yeah, Just Dance, obviously, at, at the end of the year when you tally um, game sales, Just Dance is always up there. It's just such a juggernaut of a franchise. On Amazon last year, one of, I think it, uh, it was in their top like 50, but the Wii version of Just Dance was like one of the best-selling games of last year. So, yep. yeah. It'll... It'll keep going on Switch for years, too. And then there's another rhythm game called Kingdom Hearts Melody of Memory. No, thanks. So that's uh, (laughs) uh, we'll we'll have to hear from Jonathan Dornbush. He unfortunately (laughs) couldn't be here. Um, How that uh, fits into the canon, the complicated canon Mm -hmm. of Kingdom Hearts. 
Um, that, that's coming out on the 13th at 60 bucks. And then uh, we've got another remaster that's uh, Need for Speed Hot Pursuit from EA uh, coming out for 40 bucks on the 13th as well. Um, kind of, I, I looked at the the remaster on the other consoles and like the step step up is not great. You know, it didn't it didn't change uh, the the models and the environment much. Obviously, a higher resolution. So I th- actually think the Switch version is a pretty good choice. Um, that was a good looking game, uh, and it it still looks pretty uh, pretty damn good on switch and it's really really fun so if you're if you're looking for a racing game there are not that many that feature cars and not carts on the on the switch um i i, I always love this game uh, and then next week we also have uh coming up uh, sniper elite 4 serious sam collection is coming out um and then obviously the big one is going to be hyrule warriors age of calamity which um you know we've all played the demo but haven't gotten to play the final version but somebody else at ign has and we'll have a review ready for that I don't is know it also it you seth no it is not it is. Oh, i wouldn't i would be a poor fit <laughs> this is coming out of uh this is being reviewed by in australia for for my oh, okay. Australia. oh good night, mate um there you go <laughs> i watched uh i watched uh the conan o'brien travel episode to australia yesterday did you see that one alana where they're trying know. to teach him Australian. It's so damn good. Um, yeah, He does a lot of good this. creative stuff. I like the Clueless Gamer series too. I don't know, have, yeah. Has he done much Nintendo stuff on that? I'm not sure, but yeah, it's good stuff. Well, I, I think know. everybody got spooked when, uh, when, he was, um, when he was playing, making fun of Final Fantasy. I think all the mm. game publishers got a little spooked and didn't <laughs> oh, yeah. be any part of it anymore. Um, no, but watch, watch, his, uh, watch his travel stuff. It's ridiculous. He goes to Japan too. Um, and learns Japanese, and the uh, the lady who teaches him tells him that she doesn't like his face. <laughs> <laughs> he does have it's a face. Re- yeah, and he's he's just shocked. He's like, "How is that polite?" <laughs> um, anyway, so let's go. Um, let's go into a question block. We got uh, a couple of uh, questions uh, here submitted from our uh, friends on the NVC f- uh, Facebook uh, group um, and from the IGN boards. Um, if I can indulge you guys um, for for three questions. Um, first question is from David Saltmarsh from the NVC Facebook group. He's asking, why do you think Nintendo has left Advance Wars behind? Um, this is a question dear uh, to me, of course. I feel as though it's a goldmine for multiplayer. It could be a huge hit with streaming if they did it right with people playing against each other on custom-built maps in a turn-based game. What do, what do you guys think? Anybody got a, Fire got a viewpoint? You think, think they so? left it behind because Fire Emblem started selling? I think that yeah. you know, like Nintendo yeah. Nintendo has one huge strategy franchise already. I, I think that um, double dipping with Advance Wars would maybe be cannibalizing some of what Fire Emblem's momentum already has going for it. Yeah, I was going to say, I would like to see the sales numbers for Advanced Wars because I think that has uh, a lot to do with why they haven't revived it. Mm-hmm. I just it? looked it up. The last Smaller. one was 2008. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I feel like even that, it's like they haven't even taken a chance in a really long time for a franchise that's relatively well known. Like, it's not like the kind of thing when you ask someone on the street, you know, if they know what Advance Wars is, they're, they're going to know. But I feel that Fire Emblem's still in that same category. Oh, um, it, oh yeah. It is an interesting one. You know what so it is? They have nope. to, nobody has yeah. their Game Boy Advance anymore. They'd have to change the name. They'd lose the brand recognition. <laughs> it wouldn't make yeah, any wasn't sense. It originally Famicom Wars, too. Famicom Wars was the first one, yeah. yeah. And then, you know. Obviously, they kept Advance Wars on the uh, on on no on GameCube. They did Battalion Wars, which was a completely Battalion different Wars. dev uh, yeah. and style of of game. But yeah, Advance Wars is really interesting because 
it is it seems like a game where you could do a remaster or a remake by handing it to a different team and not having intelligent systems work on it who are obviously really focused on fire emblem but they seem to not be that into it. I mean, they didn't add any characters to Smash Brothers, and you know they obviously went nuts with Fire Emblem characters. So I don't know. It's just a weird story. I love those games, obviously, and we should see another one again. Uh, next question from Ruka Scarlet from the NVC, uh, NVC Facebook group: uh, If there was a game design just for you, what would be okay. what the game? Oh. What would the game be like? What would you do? Who would you play as? And uh, Ruka says, personally, I'd love to see a high-quality game where you play as an animal of your choice, but realistic and done well. Untitled Goose Game had, had a great feel, but it was satirical and graphics are not what I prefer. What do you guys think? My answer to this has been for the last decade. Um, let's say Obsidian makes a Pokemon game where mm -hmm. I get to be a Pokemon trainer and I can choose to be a gym leader. I could choose to be a breeder. I could be in a big open world, like an actual open world um, first person third person uh and and be catching pokemon out in the wild and i know there are like skyrim mods that kind of touched on that which i thought was really cool but that that is the dream nintendo is never going to do it <laughs> but that's what i would want is just give me give me a bethesda style sandbox um which i guess you know obsidian not bethesda anymore but you know, same thing new vegas too and, and just put a bunch of pokemon in it and let me do whatever i want have a morality <laughs> system i can join team rocket if i want to oh. like thieves guild type stuff in skyrim yeah. like that is 100 yeah. the game i've always wanted <laughs> i'd play that yeah. uh, i think it's for somebody, me I think I, it's somebody... oh go ahead pear no, I was going to say, I've, I really like open world games, obviously, you know, Breath of the Wild. I love the Assassin's Creed, GTA, Red Dead Redemption games. And like before Red Dead came out, I would have said, I finally want a Western game. Well, now I'm at the point where I would love to see a World War II game that is like an Assassin's Creed setup where, you know, you have different villages on the map that you can free. You know, you maybe you play as a member of the French resistance and you're taking over these, uh, you know, the, the towns maybe in, in, in France somewhere. Um, and then as you progress, you unlock better weaponry. And like in the end, you know, like you, you steal a tank and that's it. You know, like you're, you're roaming the countryside in your very own tank. Like something like that would be really cool. I think. Uh, I, I think for me, like I also want an open world game, um, but I would like an open world game with like a really robust physics system where, you know, there's like chemistry and physics systems and also uh you traverse in different ways like climbing or maybe using like a glider you're making and, a breath of the um, wild joke as soon as you said you really undercut that one alana but that's where i was going with it no, that's it for zach uh what do you got seth uh i i mean it's so lame but like just make metal gear solid five but more of it that's mm -hmm. the game that i want because i just love metal gear solid five more of it or like red dead redemption 2 just again because i just love those games they made me feel like I, I was in a completely different time and place with like just limitless possibilities um yeah i guess it's an open just give me an open world game where i go into the past sometimes but they I also have a part where you like get on a unicorn yes and give me the ability to attach balloons to people and have them the then full, live yeah, in my extraction bay. system yeah all of that Ooh. yeah yeah Speak, speaking game. of 
Speaking of balloons, for our last question, just from Nook Fan from the IGN boards. Thank you guys Here for participating go. this week. How do you guys feel about the idea of Nintendo Kart as an evolution of Mario Kart? So basically like Smash Brothers, right? Rather than just making Mario Kart 9. After guest characters were introduced in the arcade game and MK8 via DLC, it seems like the door is open for it. Do you guys, would you prefer Nintendo to do the Smash approach with Mario Kart? I, I mean, I think Mario Kart 8 Deluxe was sort of moving in that direction right yeah. like we got we got link and we had zelda themed courses like the the squid kids were in there animal crossing guys were in there um the the courses weren't like specifically like like super engineered to look like those games except for the zelda courses but um F-Zero. i think we started seeing those a little bit yeah. the f-zero courses um we started seeing a little bit of that and like yeah i'm down for that i think that'd be really cool yeah me too yeah you it's a bring back <laughs> Put, exactly, put Andy from Advance Wars in that one. Um, <laughs> Drive around. Just to uh, test how excited yeah. people are before we bring yeah. it back. Yeah, I, I look, I mean, I think um, Mario Kart 8 is such a full-featured game at this point. Like, 9, they either got to go super big with courses from all the games or something, or very, very different. And, like, opening it up to the entire pantheon of Nintendo characters would be one way to do it. Mm-hmm. cool well that's all the time we have this week um i want to first of all thank you uh guys for making the time to be on uh here and alana from uh, taking your time off from not working um to join us when are we going to hear what you're doing next i actually get to announce on monday which i'm awesome. very excited Ooh. about yeah very cool tuned. can't mm-hmm. wait to hear what you're doing mm-hmm. um if you uh if you uh, uh want to submit questions remember you can email at us at any time at nvc at ign.com or respond to any of our threads on you know the ign boards or the nintendo voice chat podcast forums on facebook and we'll read your questions and you can also submit your yaps via uh, the yappa tool at the bottom of our nvc articles uh, i want to thank uh logan the nvc assistant for helping us with this show you know especially now that casey is out um you were trying to uh, continue the show and we'll be rotating hosts um and he is uh, incredibly helpful in making uh, making sure that happens. So uh, watch us every Thursday, you know, wherever you want to um, on IGN, on YouTube, or listen to us across all these different uh, podcast services, including Spotify. Um, and, uh, you know, that's it for uh, this episode. We'll be back with uh, the next episode, hopefully some impressions of Hyrule Warriors. So if you're into that, um, please show up for that one. Um, until then, we're the only podcast in the world where you can get, get the, the jagged thing, water. Get the thing. <laughs> hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.